You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattle Snake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy. And a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food... And music... And comedy... And sports... Inside you. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most gun friendly. Obama's living room in the wild, wild west. I'm Josh Johnson. Joining me today at Daniel's and a Fisher Clock Tower is my co-host, Jared Jacang Mayer. Also joining me this morning is very special guest from Fort Collins, Chris Anderson of the mega band Fierce Bad Rabbit. Good morning, fellas. Hello. Good morning. Um, how, how's, how was the holidays for everybody? The holidays were... Uh Pretty great. Went into hibernation. Came out wearing a Christmas sweater. Yeah, you're still, you're still, still got it on. Still have your Christmas sweater on. It's not. It's it almost ugly. It looks. You know what it looks like? It looks like an Atari video game. Really? Yeah. Don't you think? It looks comfortable too. Yeah. I got this new fleece. It's um, feel it, Chris. Ooh, super soft. That it's is, it's wow. Italian fleece, is what they say. Wow. New Italian leather. Italian. Mountain town here. Let your Vespa downstairs. <laughs> it is. Um, so yeah, we're gonna hang out with Chris and uh, Jared's gonna be here for the newsy bist, and then he has to take off and go do his day job thingy. But um, so let's jump right into the newsy bits. Murder, murder, murder in Boulder. Cop killing. Uh, you want to fill us in on on? Yes, Jared? A, an elk murder, elk homicide has garnered. Lots of controversy and outrage in Boulder, the Mapleton Hill neighborhood. On New Year's Day, a police officer, a Boulder uh, City Boulder police officer, shot an elk um, that was wandering around a neighborhood up there and initially said that uh, when this report came out about this down elk, the police officer said that it was acting aggressively and was injured and he therefore needed to put it down. But as more details came out about this, the police officer who was on duty shot the elk. Um, the, it was a humongous bull elk. These things are huge. Massive. They're like bigger than – they're like mooses almost. Yeah. And uh, shot this elk with a shotgun and then called another Boulder police officer who was off duty on New Year's Day, had actually called in sick on New Year's Day and was off duty – then drove up from his house in Aurora, and then the two of them loaded this elk into the off-duty officer's truck, and they had said that he, the off-duty officer was going to take the elk for meat processing. And from there, it just turned out that a lot of their story has unraveled. A lot of uh, nu- numerous problems <laughs> emerged, namely that the on-duty officer never called 
called in dispatch to say that he discharged his weapon, which right, right there is a fireable offense. Right. Um, they never reported that they had shot this elk to wildlife officials, never filed any sort of report. They did um, – there, uh, there was a resident wandering around the area and snapped a photo of them with the down elk like they were you know, out hunting or something right. like that. And so uh, since then, there's been a – you know, many stories about these two officers who are on administrative leave. A Boulder County sheriff was also somehow involved. Like, they called this Boulder County sheriff on his cell phone, and the sheriff showed up and helped them load the elk into the car. Um, but some uh, one of the most damning things that has come out is the off-duty officer named Brent Kerno, um, who's been on the force for, like, 14 years, actually operates a taxidermy business called Buffalo Peaks taxidermy which is why why the guy that shot him called him well, well that's that's what we can infer i mean <laughs> sure. that, that i think that might come out at the end but um uh, i mean if they're going to take it to process meat well, well uh, yeah that's what they said they said we're taking it to process meat but if you run a taxidermy business and you have this humongous bull elk that's been shot questions right i don't i think that's one of those things that like he did something and now he's going to have some severe consequences, and it's like, oh, the elk, and then he sh- shoots him, and now he's going <laughs> to lose his 14-year career. Right. And it seemed like a pretty nonchalant thing to do, but not in the city of Boulder, I guess. But. No, because they freaked the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Boulder went nuts. They had a vigil, like, you know. Yeah, I saw something about that on Facebook, and then when you emailed me the story last night, I was like, oh, this is what's going on? And, like. Well, it's so funny because, I, you know, I've been following this elk shooting story, and I think we can all be outraged about it. Um, not so much that the, you know, there are hunters who will go out and shoot elk. You can get permits and things like that in, in appropriate ways. So that's what sort of is outraging to me about it, that these cops would be so bungling and idiotic about the way in which they went about it. But the residents of Boulder there in Mapleton Hill had held a candlelight vigil for the elk. Um, right. A couple hundred people showed up, and they set up a memorial where the elk was shot. Um, one resident said... People live here because we love the wildlife, said Esther Parson, who lives in the foothills west of Boulder. To murder an animal who feels like he's part of the neighborhood is despicable. Right. So They also said they consider the elk their guardian. Yes, yes. Oh, no, no. I, we're, we're, they were the guardian of the elk. Or no, maybe the no, elk. The, no. The, uh, numer- here's a quote from Denver, Denver Post. Numerous people living in the neighborhood insisted that it had not uh, – something referencing something yeah. <laughs> That it appeared to be healthy, and they said they considered it their guardian. Oh, their guardian. So yeah, it's like the their elk, spirit animal. Their spirit yeah. animal in, in the neighborhood. So what, what do you guys think about this memorial, though? Do you think that it's typical wacky boulderness, or do you think that if you lived in an area and you knew of an elk that would sometimes come around for a couple years that you'd feel a strong connection, would actually att- would you attend a candlelight vigil for an elk? No. Out of curiosity, <laughs> if it was in Boulder, I, yeah, it's probably I, really good weed at this vigil. Yeah, but it's like... I understand the absurdity of this whole thing. And like you said, the bungling cop, it's sort of like, how did you get involved in that? Like what, what possessed you on New Year's Day? You were like, oh, I should shoot the elk. It's attacking me. And it wasn't probably attacking or maybe it was guarding the neighborhood and he shouldn't have been there. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just elk. doing its job. Um, <laughs> maybe the elk got a, a, aggressive so as a guardian. I have, uh, you always wonder with stuff like this with like career mishaps, you know, like yeah. the guy that, um, the uh, I can't think of it. The Coney 2012 or whatever. Okay, yeah. That yeah, whole yeah, movement. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that guy was like this, like staunch, 
Christian guy, and then his career goes down because he's like masturbating naked on the streets right. in San Diego. So you're like, yeah, kids, things were going really good, and then you know I took something and <laughs> masturbating in the streets. And so this guy's like, yeah, everything's fine. I just saw this damn elk, and I thought I should shoot it. I didn't realize like. That it, it was going to go down in flames and like yeah I mean this isn't like a mall security guard this is a police officer right. and they're very trained to you know especially if you ever discharge a weapon if you ever shoot your gun you better have a fucking good reason for it this isn't like 1970s you know right. and this is Boulder which had no homicide in 2012 I mean, a pretty amazing fact for wow. but it started when with a with a is can we call an animal and it's an elk homicide yeah <laughs> an elk an elk homicide <laughs> right Second I think he honestly want I think he wanted it for, it was a massive bull yep and I think yep. he wanted it for the meat and the trophy I just wonder if he's still gonna if he's gonna like feed his family elk burgers for like the next year <laughs> I think he has to the tastiest yeah. tastiest elk burgers ever now listen yeah. kids well, that's really i worked really hard and actually i don't have a job now because of that elk but <laughs> eat up yeah. well the and so there is an investigation uh ongoing and i think we'll we'll hopefully they will get to the bottom of this It's extremely embarrassing for the boulder police department but um i think what will come out of it is that this elk had been spotted around there both of these police officers i think there might have been like really a plan to do this Oh, really? I think there might have been a plan to do this because the other off-duty officer, he, he specifically asked for that sick day off, for New Year's Day off as a sick day. He was scheduled to be on duty. Oh. And then so one police officer shoots this elk. And then he comes and pick And then it he up. comes and picks it up. Right. And I think they thought that no one would ever find out about it. I, right. But I can't imagine how they thought that you could shoot an elk in a residential area. Of Boulder. Of Boulder. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't – this isn't like out in the – if it was in my neighborhood, no one would notice. <laughs> Five points? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually cold, but yeah. I think, you know, I, I think it's shitty, and I think that they should investigate it. Um, but at the same time, it's definitely comical, the reaction. Because, you know, uh, it's an elk. It's, it's how we relate to animals is bizarre. So it's an elk, so it's a big deal. But if it was a squirrel, no one would give a fuck. Mm-hmm. There would be no squirrel <laughs> vigil. There are no there are no squirrels guarding any, any Boulder neighborhoods. Yeah, well, I, I think that what we really need is a memorial song to the bull elk that was shot. I think we do. If, if only we had a musician at the table. That's could, right. That's right. Let's hear. Let's hear a quick. craft one for us. Can you can you on the spot? Oh wow! Um. A telethon. An <laughs> <laughs> elf. I'm singing. I love you. Yeah. Um, for our next live for, event, we'll have special, we would, we would have to sample elk calls though. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so that's enough of the elk, I guess. Moving on um, in our newsy bits, guess who got back in the water? Uh, Missy Franklin. Huh. Missy Franklin got back in the water. Um, she competed against Highlands Ranch. She's the um, she's the Olympic, Olympic uh, swimmer. Yeah, world record holding Olympic swimmer. And she's from uh, she's from Denver, right? She is. She is. She's uh, she swims for um, oh, she swam for Regis. Regis Jesuit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she competed against Highlands Ranch, and guess what? She won. Wow, she did. And 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 so there, there's. A, I love a, a good comeback story. <laughs> As the news story goes, there's like like the Highlands Ranch swimmers were like, I'm just honored to be in the same water as as, as her. 
But some of the parents were kind of irritated. Some by of it. them you had, were you had, a, you had a high school swim Understandably. meet yeah. between um, Regis and Highlands Ranch, and then fucking Missy Franklin shows up and competes for. Right. And it wasn't even just like um, an exp- exhibition or something. Like she actually competed because she's only she is what she's is she seventeen still or yeah eighteen? So she she's is. still a, a high school student. She was trying to qualify for state, which she did. <laughs> <laughs> While she was simultaneously trying to qualify for the, like, world uh, competition in Barcelona for swimming. So she was trying to go to state, which happened, and she was also trying to go to Barcelona, which also happened. So she's going to Barcelona? She is. Would you be pissed if you were the, a parent of a yeah, swimmer I'd be totally from Highlands Ranch? And I don't know. It sort of seems like it's going to be something you're going to have to deal with for the rest of your life. There's always going to be gold medals. Swimmers, <laughs> swimmers <laughs> swimming at your it, high okay. school. <laughs> get over it. If you get second place, that's like a you know silver medal there, kind of. So, right. I don't know. I I think that if she's that good at swimming, why hate on it? You know, like what are you? Where are you gonna? Where is she gonna swim? Who's she gonna compete against? Like the world <laughs> in Barcelona. <laughs> Before that, though, I mean seriously, I don't know. Uh, well, apparently she's a fan of Justin Bieber, right? She is. So Justin Bieber, of course, was in town, and she got to meet him for 15 minutes. Uh, and how did this become part of the story? Why she we... said when she was at the Olympics, she said um, she referenced Justin Bieber and said she was a huge fan. And so then he tweeted at her during the Olympics and said, you know, what does he say? Yo, babe. Yo. Like, let's meet up. And they met up they here. They met up here. Denver. As he was, like, trying to deal with um, – Paparazzi getting photos of him. Yeah, I actually weed. read that some paparazzi guy died trying to like take a picture of him in his. That was a couple Ferrari. weeks before. Yeah, can he drive? Is he driving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's How over eighteen now. Oh, really? Yeah, he doesn't look like it, but I think he is. He's actually twenty-seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like our version fact. of Psy. Right. Uh, that's yeah. pretty weird. The funny. Well, the funny thing about that little uh, nugget about. Missy Franklin is that you have all of these athletes that world record holders compete on the world stage. I mean, they just, when you see them being athletes, they just seem so mature and such titans. Right. But at the end of the day, they some of them, Justin Bieber. Yeah, they're like, she's a kid. She's a teenager. She is. Who listens to Justin Bieber? Yeah. Exactly. I always like, yeah, thought about that growing up when you watch the Olympics, all those, you know, gymnasts and stuff. And, yeah. Uh, they seem like adults, and then when you become an adult, you're like, oh, they're actually like 17 or 18, yeah. right? and they're like in their prime, and now I'm 30. I can't go to the Olympics now. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? And then there's Justin Bieber, who is actually an adult 27 years old, masquerading <laughs> yeah. as a teenager. He gets older, and the girls stay the same <laughs> age. The, you know, the thing about uh, like Olympic athletes is they, they have to have a very – very uh specific physicality you know so like like swimmers you can you can describe what the perfect swimmer body is it's like this massive upper torso and you know like flippers flippers and And it's it's almost it's so the physicality is so specific that it's almost as if they have a deformity so (laughs) we're really like applauding people for deformity so if if i like had a an ear that was shaped like a heart it would not give me an advantage in the water but but then there's Mike, Michael Phelps, who people say he is like a deformed human being. Exactly, like and that's his body is freakishly formed Aquaman style. Like for everything swimming. about him, I've seen like breakdowns of his like physique and the length of his 
torso versus the length of his legs and his arms, and it's right. it's freakishly so there's, built. There's for that. lots of it, training for sure, but you have to be born with this freakish physicality. Figure. That's yeah. the setback. Yeah. Uh, so how do you worry. do it? Later, you'll be a, a really good swimmer. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah. helpful. Why? You may be shaped like a triangle. Here, watch Waterworld. This is going to make a lot more sense. My head is an anvil, <laughs> yeah. but I'm good at powerlifting. Yeah. Right. I've never been much of a swimmer, so I don't follow a lot of – I prefer the Winter Olympics mostly over the Summer Olympics, but um, – You do? I did – yeah. I think it's, it's you know, the Winter Olympics, you know what it is? What? Different types of sliding. It's but it's fast and it's interesting and I like skiing so it's like oh yeah you know but types of sliding yeah yeah but that's what it is it's all various forms of sliding cool running controlled sliding that was a good movie it was a good movie well the Winter X Games are coming up here in uh, Aspen in a few weeks oh really yeah, that's going to be going on so yeah. you can check out some of that well I did I did watch the Michael Phelps like what did he got like seven gold medals in Beijing years and years ago yeah right. I found that kind of interesting, but this story when you sent me what Missy Elliott is that her or what was her name? It is her name. Missy, I she Missy, was a, Franklin. Missy Franklin. Missy Elliott. I was like, yeah, is, I was like, is this a rapper that's swimming? <laughs> Missy Elliott is. is uh, Did I say Missy Elliott before? I don't know. I, I think you said Missy Franklin. Missy I don't know. Good. Either way, <laughs> that's Mr. Meaner. That's Missy Elliott. Mm, yeah. Okay, Ben Franklin is weird. <laughs> <laughs> penny saves a penny earns, something like that. Yeah. Um, so. Either way, is, so is Regis? That's a college, though, right? No, they have a high, they have a college and a prep school. Yeah, prep school. Yeah. Oh well, I think the parents. That's kind of weird if they're getting all mad that they're. You know, she has to go to school. She has yeah. to compete before she, she goes said to Barcelona. She, she said that, that that she had to think about whether she was going to compete, and that she ultimately did because um, she had to think about do I want to kick some ass? Yeah. She, well, she wants to support the sport, and she knew that. By swimming, it would bring attention to. Well, and she uh, the, one of the endearing things was she said that she was actually really nervous yeah, right. to compete before yeah, at, before before this swimming. She's you know competed in London in the Olympics, yeah. competed on you know for the world record titles, and then she goes back to her old high school, and she said she was shaking in the the locker room, which is pretty because well, yeah, amazing. you know that there's going to be a lot of press over it, and then if you lose, it's like. One time I was playing pool with my little cousin who was like 12 at Thanksgiving, and I almost lost. And I was like, that's going to ruin my day. Like, <laughs> you start thinking if like, you lose to I've had all old. this like time to like play pool, and this kid's going to beat me. But I, I beat Maybe him. he's the missiolet of that type of pool. <laughs> Perhaps. So then you could be proud to be like, like some of the swimmers. All right, that's enough of Missy, Missy not Missy Elliott. <laughs> Why do we keep talking about Missy? <laughs> Missy Misdemeanor, that's Missy Elliott. We're talking about Missy Franklin. So um, sure. we're going to post this in, in the blog because we're going to be talking about something that perhaps you haven't seen. But out of nowhere, there, there was um, this post to YouTube um, where Denver now has its own late-night show. Late-night Denver, it's called. Late-night talk show. Late-night talk show. And it's it's... When you first watch it, how did you d- you described it best in an email? It's David well, what, Lynch. Well, first of all, it's called what's it called? The name Late Night Denver. Late Night Denver. Right. And it it's it's an online show, but the thing is like it's not like five minutes or ten. It's minutes. like twenty it's minutes. It's like twenty five, thirty right. minutes. Like it is it is modeled after if this was on ABC or NBC. Right. But like there's a there's a Denver. monologue in front of a. Of a curtain in the yeah. beginning, and then there's a desk with with chairs, and and the backdrop, 
Apparently, I did a little bit of research. It's it's taped in a in a very posh yeah. Um, yeah. apartment in Highlands. And so the way the way I described it is, if David Lynch went on a crack bender on Colfax Avenue and fell into some drug induced dream where he was in plugging in all the people that he had met on Colfax as right. guests in the show, that's right. kind of the feel of it because there's a he comes out and they're set in front of this uh, kind of a velvet red velvet screen. And it has like I thought it was a laugh track. I think it's live. You think it's live? Really? I thought that was a bunch of laugh because it was like different tones too, and he was like push button three. Oh really? Push button five. Maybe it. Maybe it. Well, it was recorded. It was from a live audience because it's really it sounded. Really? I think it's. So wait, you so wait, you found out a little (laughs) bit. Who's behind this, Josh? All right, so the host, it's its the brainchild of the host, um, John Rumley of Slim Cessna's Auto Club. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I like Slim Cessna's. I do too. And and, and the, really the funny thing is, 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 so it's very surreal, and that's what we're describing as David Lynch and Colfax. Um, like, for instance, there's like long, long, not even moments, long <laughs> intervals of silence with crickets where they're just like looking at each other. And uh, the first guest was Magic Cyclops. And there's some dude standing in front of him, and you can't see his head. Did you see this? Yeah. I, and well, so Magic I has to, like, out. lean down and answer the questions between the guys. <laughs> yeah, why legs. was that guy standing there? Uh, because of the humor. It's, like, uh, I guess, yeah. of Magic having to, like, stick his head between his, between <laughs> his legs, like, in the crotch to answer the, the questions. Yeah, the guy was just standing there smoking a cigarette, and I think I – Fast forward to get to that point, so I didn't know what the story on why he was standing there. Yeah, I didn't. But I guess the thing about the YouTube late night thing is the thing about YouTube is you watch it anytime. So how's it a late night show? Yeah, you know? true. I was kind of like, <laughs> it's just a show. It like, was mid afternoon for yeah. me. It was I mean, I know in real life they film those shows in the daytime, but they air them at night. They air them at night, know? and then the people watching them, it's nighttime outside, and you feel that exactly. You're in a, and bar or something so i thought that was kind of interesting of like you know when you say it's like horsepower or something it's like of old term that now is just becoming a, a thing like right uh, you know like xerox exactly or um kleenex. kleenex kleenex yeah but i i did watch some of that and then um i was actually thinking one time i met munley and yeah it was a actually a really cool show, Munley Munley and the Lewis Harlots. I think that's right. A couple yeah. of years ago, um, well, it was like seven or eight years ago. But um, he was playing, and he had this uh, like Behringer mixing board on stage, and I was like, "Is that like a a booster chair from McDonald's? You know, like the typical wood one?" He had like <laughs> turned it upside down and like put his Behringer mix board in the in the top or the bottom of it upside down. And it, it was kind of awkward talking to him because he wasn't really that talkative. And no, like, he's not. No. And I was like, is that a McDonald's booster chair? And he's like, well, yes, it is. <laughs> and, I was like, and then he was like, what other interesting things do you know about? <laughs> and I, That's and then, I didn't even say that. Well, but they, it was like we ended up talking for a while, and then it was kind of funny. That, well, this brings up a question. We All of these musicians that are have kind of very odd musical tastes, and that's what makes their music so unique – and good, and their performance is so um, interesting. But then when they try to make talk shows or they try to do kind of that type of talk entertainment, what are we seeing here? Is this kind of like their, you know, something out of their brain, something about musicians and then 
putting putting into that format that it just becomes just so oddball. Yeah, it does. So was the Do host. Tr- the host is the singer, the other co-singer of Slim Cessna, right? No, because the singers are Slim and Munley. So, yeah, that, so that wasn't Slim. I think, I, no, no, I, I think it's tell. it's it's um I I I forget. It's John. I I have it here. I have, like all these things open in my computer for references. It's John Rumley. Oh, okay. Um, and I think he's, I think he's a guitarist. Because I googled him and he has guitar stuff. So, what what do you think that this says about Denver? Do you think it captures something? I think it kind of does. Yeah. I mean, because if you were to, if you were forced to describe a Denver sound, it would be. Um, Slim Cessna. Slim Cessna. It would yeah. be, you know, 16 horsepower, yep. which is like this um, country goth kind of thing. And there is that sort of element to it. There is a – so you take something that's – you yeah. take, like country, you take something that's very homesy, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's very familiar. Like country is kind of like country roads take me home, West yep. Virginia. And then you add this bizarre twist to it that is goth. I mean, that's and, – and that's kind of like you take – a late night mm-hmm. talk show, which is pretty straightforward, and then you add this twist yeah. to it, yeah. yep. and like also like a cracked twi- out feel, yeah, 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 a twist of like Americana, which is why it reminded me of. I guess what it reminded me of is like Colfax, in the sense that there's like the old Colfax dive bars right. and the old 1950s car culture, but then kind of um, morphed into something that was a more modern YouTube type format. Yeah, right. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like an old fashioned. Um, talk show, like totally in that in that mold. It was right. it took from that, but then it twists it around and um, kind of presents it in a new way. And so from that from that angle, I like it. I like that it exists. I like that. I hope that they continue doing it. Yeah, what's their schedule going to monthly? Be? I'm told it's a monthly. Thing. Yeah, okay. Because yeah, it, it was like long, and for a YouTube, you know, you're used to like eight to ten minute videos, and right? Yeah. Well, they could have done it in an hour and a half, like a regular talk show. Like this podcast sometimes. Like this podcast sometimes. Uh, well, I think that hopefully if they do it again, I think that the best thing is to actually hold it as a live event. I think that's Yeah, maybe they will. If they do it as a live event and people are coming there to watch it as a live event, that's where it primarily exists. And then they also vi- you know, videotape it right. and they make it into that. And you can either watch the best clips of it or maybe watch the full show. Because um, I, I think it was really well done. I mean, uh, like oh. we can we can talk about the vision about it, how <laughs> surreal and bizarre it was, but I mean, it was well produced. Yeah, you know, I mean, somebody's taking this. Now, now you say I think it, I think it was shot on a green screen. Yeah, and but I. But you think that it was actually. The but background? I also thought the laugh tracks were real. So okay. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck do I know? Well, I think well maybe we if if anyone else has watched this thing, we'll post um, a link to it on right. YouTube. I would like to hear. This debate. I feel like it was an actual red curtain, but no, 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 no the background. The, the background. Oh, yeah. in the background. Yeah, with Elitches. But I mean, if it's t- if it's taped I didn't and highlighted, I realized that Elitches was like a like a staple of like the Denver skyline in that <laughs> shot. I thought it was kind of funny. It was like, is that the Space Needle? Oh no, that's Elitches. Right, <laughs> the darkest Denver Space Needle. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh cool, that's Six Flags right on. Um, All right, but. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if uh, that takes off. It looked like they'd had about 800 hits, and I don't know when. when well, it, it was came. posted yesterday. Oh, wow. I think Ron jumped on it. Yeah. Ron Doily. We support it. We do. We uh, I should say, in other newsy bits, um, our co-host, Joel Warner, had a baby. 
That's right. So congratulations to Joel. The fifth co-host. The fifth fifth co-host. That's it for the newsy bits, listeners. If you ever want to share a news story with us, rant about something we said, or shower us with gifts of um, whatever, just gifts. I feel like I should come up with some car talk thing there. Uh, Please leave a comment on DenverDiatribe.com, like us on Facebook, or drop a line at 720-282-YELL. That is our yell line. We will play your love or hate or your comments. All right, so I am here. Uh, Jared's gone. I'm here with uh, Chris Anderson of Fierce Bad Rabbit, a uh, Fort Collins band. Um, so you have a you you just released an album, The Maestro and the Elephant. You you want to sure? Yeah, we released it on New Year's Eve in Fort Collins at Hody's Half Note, and um, we'll be playing this Friday uh, at uh, the Oriental Theater. With um, the Yoppers and Tremontaine, I can't ever remember. Tremontaine, I think. It's like mm-hmm. Jason Kane and then uh, one of the old guitars from Born in the Flood. Oh, nice. Which I was really bummed I missed that Born in the Flood show. Reunion show, I right. Was, yeah, we were, yeah, I was out of town. but um, It seems like that's something they might be doing. They should. Yeah. I always loved Born in the Flood. Yeah, Nathaniel's fantastic. I actually went to the Landlines release show oh, cool. last Saturday. Yeah, they weren't supposed to shrink wrap those, and then they did, and it's such a pain in the ass. Shrink wrap's awful. Um, so, you you guys, I mean, you guys have been together since two thousand nine, I want to say. Yeah, it's almost. Yeah, it's about four years now. We've been together, and you've been the primary songwriter. Yeah, it really started out with me being, you know, kind of dictating everything, and like it was are you, are very you a much megalomaniac. Is that why? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was very much of a, you know, started out as like a kind of a recording project, and then we all just kind of clicked, and we all kind of found our own way. So you start to naturally start to write around the band, right? Um, and then we had Max Barslow join on drums right. um, in January, and he used to play with the Dovkins, and he's he's a different kind of musician for drummers. He's kind of like one of those drummers that plays really musically, and that was really neat. What do you mean by that? What's that mean? Not just carrying a beat, you know, like playing, uh, you know, Shane Zwegart's kind of a good example of, mm-hmm. like, a drummer that plays very musically. It's almost like they're playing different notes, and there's all these little nuances that mm-hmm. add into the rhythm that's really cool. So, um, you know, two years, or I guess a year and a half ago, we were touring a ton, and... um we released the Live and Learn EP and then kind of came off the road and then had this lineup change. And then I went to Nashville in March to do some, like, uh, it was like a songwriter's workshop week. So I worked with, like, a different producer or songwriter every day. And I ended up coming home with, like, five new songs, which was, like, bang, wow, that's, like, more than I wrote last year in sure. one week. I met Robert Plant, which was really cool. You did? Yeah. And um, I was, like... Really starstruck and was like, uh, Zeppelin was my bread and butter growing up. And he's like, It was my bread and butter too. And I was like, ah, touche. You're <laughs> so, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, you're so cool. Um, so, anyways, I came home with all these new songs, but it kind of opened up my eyes of the um, kind of the whole collaborating thing. And like, I didn't need to like go isolate myself in a room and write songs by myself and then come out and be like, This is how it should go. You know, mm-hmm. it really opened up 
that like oh you can kind of focus on somebody else and like get a point across pretty well right so i don't know we weren't really thinking in terms of like we need to record now but it was kind of just a little bit talked about and then we all started kind of writing a lot, a lot more stuff and <coughs> i had this idea of like why don't we just put together like this art project like everybody's sort of going to like put their little pieces in and it's going to be a whole kind of canvas of songs and next thing we knew we had 15 songs and Mm -hmm. Got to go back and work uh, with Andrew Berlin at uh, the Blasting Room, which was cool. He he produced the Live and Learn EP, and that was really another time where I was starting to, like, step back and let somebody else kind of take the reins. Right. And it's not that, like, I'm a megalomaniac or a control freak, but you do have a vision, and it's like you want to make sure nobody's, like, fucking with that vision, you know? Right. And you want to work with the people that get what you're doing. But when you find those people, you go for it, you know, and, like, this this was great. Uh, the Maestro and the Elephant was the best recording experience I think any of us have ever had because we basically all just showed up and kind of would throw our you know pieces down, and Andrew would kind of dictate where those go or if if it made the. Cut. What do you mean by that? Like, were these songs written in the studio? Um, or did they come did come together in the studio? You know, we played a lot of them in different variations live for a while, but there was. Definitely, like, four or five on there that, like, we kind of went in not knowing what we were going to come out with. And, right. and Andrew kind of had a vision, and so we just kind of followed him. I mean, Apple in Your Hand was an acoustic song that Max wrote, and we ended up, like, making it into kind of a rock song. and like Yeah, that's a standout song on the album. It is, and I, I'm really happy because when I first met Max, he was like, well, I was, like, in a total slump about songwriting, which is the other side of the dark side of like being the the guy that's like writing all the songs in the band if you're not writing there's nothing happening right so this was like i was just feeling really like i didn't know what i wanted to do with writing and um uh max was like well do you ever listen to any of your bandmates songs and i was like excuse me <laughs> he's like i write songs but he played the he played apple for me and i was like damn that's really good yeah huh well um Maybe I should sing on it. Do you, do so you feel he like... Was, he was like, whatever, man. And then I went to try to sing it. And I was like, this is so weird. I was like, you just sing it. And it was like... Yeah. It was a weird moment for me being like, I'm the lead singer. And now, you know, like, you could put a lot of ego in it and be like, no, I'm going to sing it. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And it was just like, I kind of went through that process. And I was like, you know, you hear something at the end of the day. And you're like, well, it's it's good. And like, you know... Yeah, you, I'm. I'm not gonna fuck with it. Just let's yeah. go for it. And it, it, it's really cool to like feel that and let that go. You know, right? Do you feel uh, a sense of competition now? Now that you've opened it up and and you have no, other people's, because Elena, you have some of her songs in there as well. Yeah, and actually, that w I think was a, a really good opportunity for Elena to. She's a great songwriter, and she's right. she's been a front woman in several Stel bands. She's in Stella Luce, and she's a viola player. Mm -hmm. And she had written one other song. Uh, a couple years ago, and we, we worked it out, and we tried it, and it just, it, it wasn't, it, Fierce Bad Rabbit didn't put its stamp on it. And I think that's the thing that I've started to learn, and I think we all had to kind of accept, is if you're going to write something and you're going to throw it in the in the Fierce Bad Rabbit blender, right. it's going to come out like a Fierce Bad Rabbit song. Sure. And so that can kind of keep you a little choosy on certain songs you want, you know, especially for maybe a situation Elena's in, it's like, 
maybe she wants to use this on something else that she's going to have a little more creative, um, you know, liberties. Yeah, for it. And so that was kind of the thing, and that's kind of what I said to Max with that song. I was like, well, you know, if we're going to do it, let's just let's make it a Fierce Bad Rabbit song. And, and he was all about it. And, you know, at one point it was an acoustic song, and then at one point it was like sound like a Neil Young Crazy Horse song. And then um, I started listening to a lot of Delta Spirit, and um, I really loved – I saw them at the Fox in May, and it was – they blew me away. I, mm-hmm. That's hands down one of my favorite bands right now. And um, I don't know. We kind of we kind of copied that guitar style that uh, those two have. That they mm-hmm. do. Um, and it was neat. And I actually really loved it because suddenly I got to be um, a guitar player. Which growing up, I always just wanted to be a guitar player. And lack of finding somebody to sing, I just started singing. Mm-hmm. But um, and then when we've been playing it live, it's really fun to sit back and like just really like play the guitar you know yeah and um and so you know we did that song and then uh elena wrote a couple and it was really fun to like sit back and let her write the song and then then also try to write on top of it um as a guitar player so i feel like of all the records we've done this recording i um i really enjoyed playing the guitar on it a lot i felt like I had the time and the space and uh, the creativity to like really sort of hash out what I felt was like becoming my own kind of flair or something. Sure. You know, you know, once once you allow collaboration, you can't go back. I'm aware of that so, you know, <laughs> like you cannot be like, hey, that was fun. That's why I'm going to start a new solo project. <laughs> yeah. On this next album, however, I'm gonna we're going to go back to me dictating everything yeah. and writing all the songs. So you know, it's 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 like I said, it's a there's two sides of that coin there's this feeling but i listen to old stuff and i can remember like hard to say like i was like no elaine i'm thinking of something as a melody can you play that and she of course could and then the years go by and i'm like i wish i would have just seen what elena would have come up with there you know because yeah it's not my favorite line now it's good it's catchy but it's like it's feel I don't know if you if everything's coming from your brain I think it can get a little bit two dimensional you know and right you need that process of other people so I don't know this band like I said it wasn't meant to be a band band it was like I just wanted to record some songs and I needed some musicians but now it's a band band it is now and yeah. and you guys um I mean you, you guys are pretty hmm I mean you're you're aggressively you're you're aggressively going after success i would say is that is that fair like i mean I think, yeah i mean i don't understand why you wouldn't i don't know i mean sometimes it's like i mean i have a i have a friend who's a, an incredible songwriter and he's never done an album he rarely plays live and it's like wh- why don't why don't you and he feels kind of like that it's going to that this special thing that he that he has with himself will be lost or yeah gone. um and and so i guess i what uh, asking uh, or mentioning that i am I'm, I'm wondering i mean what is what is that what's that like for you to i mean it's, it's a challenge i mean i i feel like the music business right now is its own challenge I yeah mean, it's not certainly. there's no there's never been any clear like you know success formula and no, oftentimes if if you if you find it it's usually like 
something like Justin Bieber or something really right. shameless that's like right. Oh, what would you define yes. success as? Uh, for us, you know, I would like to be able to, like, just live and work. Make a living. A, yeah, yeah, but I'm not talking about, like, cribs or anything. Like, right. I don't know how many musicians actually are doing that. But, like, right. like when I saw the Delta Spirit show, they are from, I think, San Diego. And um, they're playing the Boulder or the Fox Theater. Mm-hmm. And it's 400 people packed on a on a, you know. Tuesday night, or like when we saw the National at the uh, Fillmore, it's right. Monday night. There's like two thousand people out to see this show, and your dentist probably has never heard of the National. You know, they're like, sure. "Oh, do they sound like you too?" Or <laughs> you know, I like music, and it's like, so the business has started where there's all this connection, and there's all this undercurrents, and there's tons of bands and scenes that tons of people don't know about. Yeah, and, um, I think. Maybe you could call that the indie culture or whatever. I right. I don't know exactly, but um, the demise of the physical CD in your hand, and that's the way I consume the music, and our you know kind of viral nature now, where we're all so connected, and something can come to you in in so many different ways, whether it's you know an ad on TV or now an ad on your computer or a friend that posted something on their Facebook wall or, you know, a Twitter thing you find or whatever. Sure. There's all these different ways that you can find new things. And that creates sort of a, a veil and a darkness, I think, in the sense of, like, what's actually occurring. But there's lots of different stages now that people can play on. So I think for yeah. us, it's just that we want to build our audience. And it's not like there's, like, the five bands that everybody listens to that summer. There's thousands now there are and there's thousands of shows going on and there's people that go out for them so right it seems like i mean to make it i mean like you say like justin bieber there's there's a certain level that is superstardom but then there's this level of middle class Mm -hmm. you know where you where you just it's like if you had any other job yeah you know and and you're touring and you're making a living doing it and and that's that it's 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 interesting because like recently um what's your name chan marshall cat power Mm -hmm. Um, there was a big news to do about how she was broke. Yeah, she went. She she yeah bankrupt on a European tour. And she has yeah, and she has an amazing album. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure she's coming here to Denver next month, and I'm sure it'll sell out. And so it's like, how did you how did you go broke? And so I read there was um, on the on uh, Mike Doty, who was the frontman for um, Soul, Soul Coughing. He he wrote a uh, a blog commenting about this and said. Like, there's no reason that this happened, that mm. she went broke. That, that essentially what she's doing is she's spending money like she's a superstar, and she's not. Right. You know, she's not making millions. She, he's like, she stays at these luxurious hotels. She buys a bunch of things, and he essentially goes around with his guitar in a van right. and makes a middle class inc- income. Yeah. Um, we'll get back to that. But <laughs> you asked me about like what success, and I, I guess. Um, I think some a band's career I really admire and who I think have weathered the storm of the changing business is Wilco because they've been around for like yeah, certainly. 20, 15 years now. Sure. And, they're, and they're still not playing like, you know, they're not going to be playing like uh, whatever Mile High is called now in Sports Authority Stadium or whatever. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, there's these huge, huge successful bands. They do still exist, right. but it's guys like you and I and a lot of people – don't really like going to see shows at the Pepsi Center or, no. you know, like, 
Yeah. It's really awesome to go see a really good band at the Fillmore or right. you know or Red Rocks, but Red Rocks is big and Red Rocks is kind of like a. I've seen really good shows there. If you're up close, it's awesome. Yeah. But when you're like up seventieth row, and it's like the Dave Matthews Band or something, you're like, God forbid. Yeah, that was when I was like twenty. I, I was like, I don't like this anymore. Right. This <laughs> isn't. I'm not. I'm not feeling this. But um. Anyways, uh, going back to like Chan Marshall and, and touring and stuff, that's something we've really like had to figure out. Is like, okay, well we need to eat. Well, how do we need to eat? And for us, it's like sometimes you pick a restaurant in a town and it's like eighty-five dollars for lunch for four people, and that's like an expensive lunch at like wherever to get a burger, right. and it was twelve bucks or something. Um, the worst was actually in Houston. We decided to go to the. We were like on a layover between uh, flights, and we <laughs> we were we went trying to Chili's. Well, no, we just went to whatever restaurant we could find, exactly. and we all were like, we'd been on a plane for like. We had gotten delayed out of, out of Lafayette, and uh, so we all ordered these big beers, and then we were like, <laughs> ordered another round, and then decided that we should do a shot of tequila, and then we got the bill, and it was like $180 or something, <laughs> and we were like, weren't we trying to stick to like a $200 food budget for the, the three right. day, this like three-day tour thing? And, and that's what Chan Marshall's doing. And so, yeah, I, like we, I think if you can start to like figure out your tour costs. And I think f one thing that we're, we're starting to do is just like paying everybody per diem. So everybody's got their own cash. So it's like, you're not just all, you know, eating together all the time and putting it on the, on the brand credit card kind of thing. Right. It is, it's difficult. Certain tours we've made, you know, we've come home and made money and then some of them. Cause that's where bands make their money anymore. It's not on the albums. It's yeah. Not selling music. Um, so I'm I'm getting we're getting kind of antsy. I want to I want to get out of um, get out of town. Yeah. Get on the road, but I think we're probably looking at heading out in March. Um, we're gonna do South by Southwest, and then I think tour up through the Midwest. I think we'll go from Austin to Minneapolis in like two weeks. Wow, nice. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the regions of music in Colorado, and uh huh. I'm going to force a definition on it being Fort Collins, Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs. It seems to me, and, and I am someone that pays attention, I guess, to Colorado music, that, that, that there's some sort of um, – and, and I may, may be totally wrong because I'm not a musician. I'm not actually in the scene. But it seems like there's a bit of, little bit of a bubble happening in, in each of these – regions and and why is that why why aren't there isn't there more of supportive collaborative approach across the state i don't know i think yeah it's like i mean you guys are you guys will fill a place in in fort collins but then you come down here and it's and it's like it'll be interesting to see how our show goes on friday I, yeah right I'm, I'm excited we're putting a lot of energy and like actually trying to put on a show in denver and right. just like and it's great that you have the yoppers because i think the yoppers are yeah i'm really well known around um, I'm, and that's something we really want to like focus on is kind of bridging that gap between Fort Collins and Denver. And I don't know always what's going on in Boulder. Like I haven't. Boulder felt sucks. I haven't for felt music. The operas are the only good thing in Boulder. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> can you I name anybody else? I don't know. We've had some fun shows in Boulder, but they've mostly been like city street stuff. You know that we're playing. Oh like yeah. Pearl Street. Or sure. Something. But um, uh, the Fox show will be fun. We're playing there on the 
26. Oh, you are? Yeah, we actually, and we got Widow's Bane on the bill, so that would wow. be kind of yeah, nice. an interesting show. Um, I like those guys, but uh, so we'll see if we do have some fans in Boulder, and it, it's tough because I do feel it's so insular, you know, like there's this Denver scene and there's this Fort Collins scene, right. and there's some bands that cross over much, but like you know, it's our community in Fort Collins is really tight knit, and there's a lot of different bands. And I think sometimes Denver maybe thinks it's like a bunch of jam bands in Fort Collins, and there's actually some great right. indie bands. I mean, you mean Apollo's awesome. Um, Fort Collins seems to have, have the most um, supportive scene. You know, I mean, it's well, like, I say it's that, like everybody goes I'm to from. everybody's shows. Yeah, and everybody's. And and the interesting thing, I just got um, the compilation disc we played on uh, for Colorado Public Radio, their open-air session. Yeah, you did that. Like We just did that day two days ago, yeah. but we did it last year. And um, so they sent us that CD. And I've been on a lot of compilation CDs in through my time. and Sure. I put that one on, and I was actually, like, finding out all these new Denver bands that I hadn't really listened to. Right. And was, like blown away and i was like well we got to connect with these people we got to connect with these people like and so i i assume that denver's got and i know it does but it's it's got a really also tight-knit community mm -hmm. and um i've you know i feel like we've kind of not spent enough time down in you know like that's what i think it is i mean i i think that i th i think that like Fort Collins seems so far away for Denver and vice versa. Yeah. And and you forget that it's a without traffic a fifty minute drive. And and I don't like I would love to see both more more Denver bands playing Fort Collins and Likewise. And I always like to try to bring up like when we have our own show and we can like, you know, dictate the bill or we get, we're getting to pick it and um pretty much always I've always tried to bring a Denver band down that I like, you know. Right. Like, we played at uh, the Aggie with um, a Tom Collins, and who were there fantastic. Was, yeah, and there was a lot of people that were like, "Who is this band?" You know, and like, in, yeah, which is insane because they're huge here. Yeah, it's, our CD release show two and a half years ago for Spools of Thread, we brought Ian Cook up, yeah. and everybody loved him. And uh, yeah. then we got the Yoppers with, the, uh, well, I guess we're playing with them in Denver, but um, you know, I. I want to connect Fort Collins to Denver and like vice versa. And not that I think there's any animosity between the scenes, but like, no, there's, there's just a, like a unknown, you know, yeah. and, like yeah. I, uh, it is hard to like, just come down to Denver to hang out and go to some show that you're not sure about. Cause then you got to drive home. You know, like, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I'm excited for a show on Friday and I really like the Oriental theater. I don't, I think it's in a, it's in a different location than like the most shows, I think. Sure, but um, it's a great stage. It is a great it's, space. It's a great room, yeah. and um, I haven't played there with Fierce Battle Rabbit, but the Jimmy Austin played there a couple times, and I always had a really good time. So. Yeah, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about um, how you guys raised money for this album. You did a Kickstarter-style campaign yep. that was successful, um, so I want to talk about that and maybe see if you have any advice for other artists who want to use that. This week's episode is brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Um, Illegal Pete's just signed a Tom Collins to their record label, Greater Than Collective. Cool. Uh, so look for that in, in hopefully in 2013. Um, 
we're going to play a Wireface is there for Collins band uh, track off of their yet to be released album um, called King Cataract. This is Replicator. Replicator by Fort Collins band Wire Faces. They will be hosting a CD release party at Lost Lake on Thursday, February 7th. 
which actually is the um, the launch of their month-long residency uh, every Thursday at Lost Lake, every Thursday in February. I'm here with Chris Anderson of Fierce Bad Rabbit, who is releasing an album, The Maestro and the Elephant, at, um, well, it's already released, but they're doing a show um, tomorrow night, Friday, so when, depending on when you're listening to this, um, you should check it out. This, lots of <coughs> bands and artists and and my brother, who wants to buy a car, <laughs> are are launching Kickstarter campaigns um, that crowdsource funding to to produce art, music, um, and funding nonprofits. That's what you guys did with this. Mm-hmm. So you had a Kickstarter campaign to come up with money to record this album. Um, where did where did that idea co- come from? First of all, well, um, you know, we we weren't excited about doing the Kickstarter just because we didn't want to feel like we were begging asking for charity. <laughs> yeah. And like even my mother-in-law was like, so you, I don't understand. Are you just going to keep asking people for money every <laughs> time you need to record an album? And it was like, no, because basically we did sort of a pre-Kickstarter, like back in the day when we did Spools of Thread, right. we did like our own little individual kickstarter thing and it wasn't on the platform and it was really kind of like this we just sort of decided to try it because we'd heard about that kickstarter wasn't even really around right so i think we didn't have a goal or anything we just asked people to like we had different levels it was like a kind of a glorified pre-sale so i think we raised like a thousand dollars to help pay for spools of thread yeah and it was mostly through family and stuff and so we really felt like, okay, if we do Kickstarter, we kind of already did it, and it's kind of one of those things you can only do once. But um, with the Kickstarter, I, I started reading about bands that were doing it, and it, it, it's a different psychological thing than just asking for money because what you're doing is you're actually like involving people in the project. And I, I, I read about Murder by Death. They raised like 189000 yeah, on Kickstarter. And it, they were like, we always do pre-releases, and we always do pretty well, but we decided we try this new form because the way that we're consuming music these days and the way we engage with each other is so different. And this is really like a, a way that people can get involved and fund art. And it's not like it's art. They're probably not going to like, I mean, if somebody's funding it, they believe in what you're doing and, sure. and they want, they want a part of what you're doing. So we, uh, you know, and then you can have like kind of the, the gizmo, like, levels that you're like oh we'll cook you dinner or whatever like for the people that want to like do stuff like that and you you guys did that it's something like that i mean it wasn't i mean charity is we give money and and the benefit of that is feeling good about supporting something but i mean you essentially did like pre-album sales right and this one at the different levels you got different things all the way up to a private show yeah and you know we didn't have anybody actually take us up on the private show what i found was really encouraging um was we 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 pledged that we wanted to raise ten thousand dollars and um, and we thought you know we'd have a few big swinging investors come in and maybe want to do a private party and and that would take a chunk out of it and then maybe you know this level but we really we only had a few big donations from a few different people right um, but everything else was. Twenty five, fifty, and seventy five. It's the Obama model right there. Yeah, and it was like to get to ten thousand dollars at fifty dollars a pop, 
it takes a long time. <laughs> and I was like checking it religiously and I was like, Oh God, I Facebooking and tweeting this so much. Like when this is done, I'm going to just stay off all social media for like a week. Cause I felt like I was like totally overdoing it. But then you'd run into people on the street and they'd be like, I didn't know you were doing that. And you're like, how did, how did he not know? You know, like yeah. I've done everything <laughs> other than like take a billboard out and like, um, but, you know, in, in Fort Collins, the Lyric Cinema had raised, like, $150,000. I saw that. I couldn't – I was in awe that, like, our little community and that, that you know, little theater, um, it, it, like, was amazing to see the community come together. And then it did feel really awesome, like, the day – I think we reached our goal, like, three days before the deadline. Right. And um, – and then we got kind of a backlash from a lot of people that kind of was like, not a lot of people, but there's a few people that were like, like calling us out on it, being like, I can't believe you guys did that. That's like, who's, who who needs that kind of money to record an album? And it's like, well, actually, we're still like, we're still shy. You know, we, we're still yeah. carrying like, and even to this day, I mean, we're going in still in debt on the album, but, right. you know, we're able to produce it. And, and so... I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Like, a lot of people were really, really proud and really happy, and there was, like, some really great support from across the country, too. It wasn't like oh, somebody's really? grandma gave us this money. It was, like, there was, like, actual fans, like, donating, like, uh, like sizable donations from places that we, you know, been and, and met people. And yeah. when you're touring, you know, you just, you you meet people, and you, and you start to come back, and you start hanging out with these people, and they become your friends. And, like, and and so... It was neat and it was kind of stressful, but I I completely um, was sold on the on the idea and the model, and I I'm, I'm proud to help other people out. You know when they when they're doing I saw Paper Birds doing a Kickstarter. Um, they are yeah. I don't know if they're done yet. They wire, were, wire faces. Wire are. faces is in it, and um, and it was kind of funny. There was like <laughs> a musician in town. I'll remain them nameless as not gossip, but. Um, they wrote us a message being like, I can't believe you guys are still asking for people to give money after you reached your goal. I mean, geez, guys, c- give it a break. <laughs> and then, like, started bitching me out on Facebook. Like, I was like, dude, leave me alone. I don't, yeah. we don't need to talk right now. And right. kept ta- messaging and everything. And and then apologized to me a couple weeks later and said I was out of line, you know. And actually, we're going to do a Kickstarter. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> Cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it's 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 one thing with art, and um, I mean, I'm the Lyric Cinema in Fort Collins, and I'm f- follow them on Facebook, so I was bombarded with the the requests. It's and interesting. It's amazing that, that they raised one hundred fifty thousand dollars, but it's it's kind of I mean, when it's a business, that was know, yeah. It's a little weird for me because it's kind of like, um, well, I mean, people support you by by coming to your business and and if you don't have the money maybe there's something wrong with your business it's back to the cat power thing yeah yeah Um, yeah so i mean it's kind of like i uh, really like ben and i i've sort of felt that talk trash no i know but it was kind of like well you got to run your business but i think he did get hit with a sizable thing that he was like i can't overcome this you know this digital transformation he did yeah um yeah. I think that was really. I think that actually was good business on his end to just say, "Hey, this is like a community 
you know, cinema. Like, right. if you guys want it, I need the community's help right now. And it's not because I can't, you know, pay my rent this month. It was more like he the business just, yeah, the business right. just shifted on me. Sure. And so, sure. but it's it would make more sense to me, I guess, if if it was like, like since it's a theater, like if you turned it into a membership thing, right? You know what I mean? So it's like pledge a hundred dollars and you get X. Like like if you were, I mean, if you were a um, a nonprofit radio station and you do fund drives. Mm-hmm. kind of thing but there's there's benefits associated with that other than what feels like charity for a for-profit business yeah it's the modern day bake sale you know it's, it like, is the modern day bake um, sale. but i think it's uh, you know going back to the business changing in the music business and the way we're all you know connected and enjoying music it's just a new way of like basically exchanging money for art you know sure it's it's like and and i guess that's you know my point is is that the way that you did it was um if i mean if you pledge at this level then you get the cd so it's like you're asking it's either you ask to buy the cd before you make it or Mm -hmm. after and you have fans that are going to buy it no matter what exactly but the thing is is like put the money up front and then hope to recoup it on the back end exactly we we did the exact thing for the fools of thread i mean we carried around you know six or seven thousand dollar debt for a year or so right and you're just selling cds and putting it right back to the money so to do it up front you know you can like or partially do it up front you you get the product the people that were going to get it got it and they got it early and that's what was really encouraging to us was that we had we had a lot of fans that like came to the you know to the table and wanted what we were offering i mean that they we had sold a lot of like twelve dollar digital pre downloads, you know, and right. like a lot of uh a lot of T shirts and sweatshirts and then you know what people don't realize too is um we had to d- then fulfill all this stuff. So yeah, we raised, you know, a certain amount of money, but then I think like thirty percent you kind of almost lose on the gift bags you know because <laughs> you, you you know you're selling a sweatshirt for 75 bucks you got to spend 30 bucks to make the sweatshirt sure so, sure um you know yeah. for people you know going out there that that was something we we tried to be a little bit you know aware of like not losing our shirts trying to sell a shirt you know but, <laughs> yeah. uh so i i think it, it's interesting too another <laughs> interesting thing was um some Facebook post I saw that Magic Cyclops had posted like <laughs> pitching bands out for a Kickstarter. Yeah, like, I saw that as well. Like, what happened to the band fund? And then finally, <laughs> like eighteen comments in, somebody was like, "Scott, didn't you use a Kickstarter to go to Finland?" And like, he did. I just yeah. was like, "What is that? Is hilarious!" Like, right. uh, and it caused well, quite a little Well, you expect Magic stir. Cyclops to be an ass. I mean, that's his thing. I I didn't I didn't want to get involved, but I definitely was like, like enjoying reading all the different posts and it was pretty funny but um you know we we did it and we'll never do it again because you can't and i'll never do Mm -hmm. it again because you get that one card you get it once and and i think the second or third time if you ever would try to do it the second or third people are like come on guys like kind of like my mother-in-law's like well are you just going to keep asking people to give you money to (laughs) <laughs> do this like aren't you ever going to make a living that you can just make an album right and that's and, and that's I, the goal and that's the step and that's sure back to success of like maybe we don't need charity next time but kickstarter not charity it, it is and that's what we had to get over is like people are investing that, that in we're, essentially yeah and so 
And it's it's we we t- when we were on break we talked briefly about this, but there's it's it seems like I mean quite quite frankly I love your music and um and and it seems to me that it's it should be totally popularly accepted and ingested and, and whatever that next level is and you just describe it as um, being able to do this for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I don't see any reason why it's not happening yet you know it's it's almost like i mean the 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 last lp was fantastic this one's better Mm -hmm. um there's got to be at some point some sort of thing that happens that seems random and it's like luck Uh, yeah we we had the same discussion the other day in the car um because we just come back from a break which i don't know if you read all of our stuff got stolen over christmas i wanted to bring that up i totally forgot about that yeah, yeah us you and wire faces re- got completely robbed yeah like, what was what was the total dollar amount i mean it's everything it was in your it was in your practice space we lost about nineteen thousand, and wire faces lost about eight thousand. yeah um so i mean it's looking like a pretty pretty big robbery you know yeah I mean, it's almost thirty thousand dollars sure of stuff um and a yeah, lot of it's so, not replaceable because it's not yeah. it's not production stuff. It's like old yeah. There was equipment. there was a ton of stuff, and there's like stuff like I had a Vox AC30 I like, but I can go buy another Vox AC30. Right. Luckily, there wasn't any like really cherished things um, that got taken. But um, I mean, well, there was, but not. You look at it and you're like, well, at least they didn't get that. At least I had this here. But um, yeah. So we went out. We um, we had our CD release show on New Year's Eve, and we all were out of town um, pretty much all of December. Dayton and Greta had a baby, and mm-hmm. um, and then we kind of all, like, agreed to cut our vacation kind of short and come back Friday uh, to rehearse and get ready for the, rehearse, the, the release show. We walked in Friday night, and the lock was off the door, and you're like, wow, there's no drum set. There's, oh, my God, everything's gone. It was, like, a weird feeling that, like, Somebody fucking come in and like taking all of your stuff, and it's just weird, you know. So, yeah. so that was a little bit of a bitter end there to like such a positive, you know, last three months. You know, reaching our Kickstarter goal, getting to make the record, loving the record, like what we did and how we did it, and getting ready to release it, and then somebody took all our stuff. So, yeah. we had a wedding we were supposed to play the next day, and it was like. All right, call the cops, and then just we got to get some gear for tomorrow. Because it seems like so. This is uh, somewhat of an inside job. I, I mean, how do I they don't know? know? Yeah, it's how do they how do they know, how do they know it was there? I, I don't know because there's not many people out there. It's mostly right. musicians, and they're all friends. And um, right, but there has been tenants that have come and gone in different of the. They're they're like little workshop rooms, like 400 square foot units. Yeah, and it's kind of in a ghetto part of Fort Collins. Not like ghetto was really that ghetto in Fort Collins. <laughs> There's but no ghetto in Fort Collins. Yeah, but the cop was like, this is kind of a bad area. I was, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, this is where we practice. He's like, well, I was like, do you know a better place? And he was yeah. like, no. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's why we're here. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so anyways, yeah, so the stuff got stolen, but where were we going before that? Uh, the, the, the thing that happens that... Oh, so but level. so we're you know I mean you're driving right. up to this wedding and we're talking and I was like, do you ever see that movie Limitless and how the guy takes a pill and he just knows everything and he's like using all of his brain? Uh-huh. I was like, do you think if we could take that pill we could like figure it out and crack the code like right. like take you know like we're talking about the Lumineers or 
becoming they've got this enormous successes here. They are Grammy nominated, which Lumineers. is huge. Yeah, and um, and I'm I, I'm really happy and proud of them. I don't know them personally, but I remember like they were just a band that I knew of in Colorado, and now they're like in the world arena. You know. Yeah. Um. And so we were sitting there, and then like Elena was like, you know. Not that we were actually like fantasizing about taking a pill that we could like figure it out and like we just need to do this step and this step. What we realized, and we were just kind of laughing. And we were like, I don't think there is any. Like it is kind of a lot of luck because it's entirely. It there's seems. so many like little weird things that happen that lead to other things, and all you know, it's like people say you work hard to get lucky. So we just keep yeah. working hard, and um, it'll happen at some point, or it idea. won't. But like. You kind of got to accept that, that you're like, I'm just going to do my best. And that's why I like this album is because I like there's zero regret. You know, you're, mm -hmm. not, you're not like, well, if we would have done this song this way or like if we would have sent it to that guy or whatever. Like it's if you become too calculated, then it's not authentic and you're not exactly. going to actually, you know, and what, yeah, who's no going to relate to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't know. So. I mean, you've had you've you've uh, you had you had a song featured in a um, New Belgium commercial. Yeah, and that was like a moment where it was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, it's gonna. I mean, it's all exposure, right? I mean, it's like, or how can we broadly expose people to this and mm -hmm. hope that they latch and on that, to it? And that commercial was great, but it was like a week long, and it came and went, and it was just right. another thing that happened. And it, and it it was awesome to get paid for a, a song. Right, and I quit my job and like lived off the money for a while, and <laughs> kind of was like, and then it's gotten to the point now where we are starting to like get paid for gigs and like paying yeah. the band. Yeah, that's what a lot of people don't realize is most bands. I mean, we didn't actually pay ourselves for a gig for like three years. Right, and um, and then it sort of like it feels good when you kind of like can pay your rent with your. Gig, music money your gig money you're like cool we're getting closer guys we're getting right we're getting really close here um so i think it's kind of um you know we're just you just go for everything and you just you you got to stay humble because there's no there's no way to just become an olympic gold medal swimmer <laughs> If you don't have the body for it, that's, <laughs> that's the freakish mutant body. The so. freakish mutant body, and then and then you got to go back and play uh, Hody's Half Note after. You oh yeah, after so. the Olympics, so which is a venue in Fort Collins for yeah. folks. Anyway, so yeah, that's about that's about it. Anything you want to add? I uh, fiercebadrabbit dot com. Is that uh, just fiercebad.com. Fiercebad. Somebody owns fiercebadrabbit.com. That's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When I made the Gmail, I was like, oh, cool. I'll just go fiercebadrabbit at Gmail. I was like, somebody has that? <laughs> really? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you out um, at our show in Denver on yeah. Friday at the Oriental Theater. And then January 26th will be at the Fox Theater. Um, and you can buy the album on fiercebad.com, and you can stream it there for free. And or on iTunes, whatever, yeah. whatever yours. Do your do check it out. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass by saying that it's a fantastic album. Um, this is when we do love and hate. Do you, are you familiar? Did you? Mm. Or I read something. Yeah. Well, something we love we love time. or hate on something related to Denver. Okay. So what do you what do you got? You got anything? Um. I think we could. 
love on the Lumineers. I think it's pretty cool what they're doing. Yeah. And I was reading, somebody posted some article that was like, fuck the Lumineers. Like, anytime you get anything, people, there's going to be people that, That's like, American. rue in your success. Yeah, and it's like, very American. You build them up to tear them down. Yeah. So I read that, and I was like, oh, and the best was uh, Tyler Ward doing a cover of hey, Ho Hey. Are oh, you really? familiar with Tyler? No, no, no. He's from Denver, but um, he has these really awful, like, YouTube covers. That's his thing, is YouTube covers. Uh-huh. And <laughs> they're really cheesy. Yeah. And he gets a million hits, and he makes a lot of money off them. Yeah. And then, um, and actually, Joey Barba's touring with Tyler Ward. Joey used to play with Tickle Me Pink. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw that he had a, a hit, a, a YouTube cover of Ho Hey, and it's really funny. You should check it out. Like, All right. It's completely opposite of who the people are that wrote it because he's like, you know, like being all like, oh, man, I'm so cool. And it's really <laughs> so we'll love on the out. Lumineers and sorry, but hating on Tyler Ward. Lumineers. Yeah. And actually, when we started doing the song of the week on Diatribe, that was the first song I picked was Ho Hey. Mm-hmm. And, and the only like... W- way i could find it was there was a youtube video of them playing it at a house party mm-hmm. and i thought it was just like this i can rem- yeah going back to grammy nominees and stuff i can remember like i had bought bonavere and then mm-hmm. yeah i like was like youtubing it all i could find was like these weird house shows of him playing it uh-huh and um and then he was at the grammys um and that was actually when uh first met max barslow our drummer, um, we were hanging out with him and then Maxwell Hughes. And Maxwell Hughes actually toured with the Lumineers for a while uh, back last year. And they did, like, a ton of house shows. And I remember, like, talking about how they toured because they were just, like, another successful but regionally successful band that I was like, they're doing pretty good. And um, it was just like they'd been playing all these house shows and touring like that. And then... Mm-hmm. In one year, I mean, like in the Rolling Stone top four, you know, That's it, when it's they, like Gangnam Style, and then like another one, and then like the Lumineers, and it's yeah. like it's, it, it's such entertainment's so weird. Like the, those two are like that close on the charts, right? Because Gangnam Style, yeah. I thought that was a joke until New Year's Eve when I was watching the ball drop, and there, and I was like, wait a second, wait a second, this yeah. isn't a I YouTube joke. People. T- Posting like babies doing Gangnam Style dance. And I was yeah. Like, what is this? This is so weird. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, I realized it was real. And it's real. People it are taking it like, seriously. Whoa, this is a weird. Mocker- it's, the, it's like the Macarena of 2000. It is. But Chris, it's it's part of it's the the um, the leading uh, launch of the Asian invasion. <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's what I mean. I really think that what's going to happen in the next five years is that a lot of Asian bands. Asian in the way that we export our music and, and our mm-hmm. entertainment that we're going to start getting. I mean, that's the way it goes. Right? I feel, too, kind of like uh, Mumford Sons, that whole scene that's been going on. That's almost like uh, they're like like how the British invasion was like they, they brought the blues back to us. They we, did. Like, they, yeah, we right. invented the blues, and then right. we forgot about it, and then they were like, hey, this is brand new. Right. <laughs> It's like Mumford and Sons is like bringing back this Americana folk kind of thing. It is. And um and that's really big and it, it really blew up this year and um it's just interesting how that stuff kind of shapes and forms and and goes through trends and it's kind of that lucky 
you're at the right place at the right time because I, I think the Lumineers, um, I don't think that that song would have been a hit six years ago. You know, like no, no, it's it like the, everybody's primed and ready for like wanting stripped down Americana style. Yeah, um, and I think that's because of how things got. And maybe I'm trying to sound too intellectual here, but like things got really produced at one point, and then it kind of imploded. Like the live show suddenly became really important because you couldn't sell, you know, like Britney Spears records. You'd have to perform that now, you know, suddenly. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think of like actual bands that, you know, I would listen to that would be an example of like the early 2000s. Um, but, you know, suddenly this live show thing, and I think what's captivating about, you know, Mumford & Sons or Lumineers a band like that, they're actually really good musicians, and it sounds really good live, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the stripped-down nature started to kind of sell itself more because it is very intimate, but even though it's become very, uh, I don't want to say plastic, but it's become the, the theme of stuff. I don't know. Maybe it's Yeah, it's genuine. It's authentic. Yeah. And, and, I, and I also, I don't you know, also sound intellectual, but I think that there's these, these scary times we live in. Mm-hmm. You know that there's there's something about going back to that, like like we were I was trying to say earlier about country music and its home homesiness. There's there's something comforting about it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna love on the uh, in the keep up with the music thing. Landlines new album is fantastic, um, and it's self titled. And also I happen to well didn't happen last last Saturday I went to their CD release show at. The um, oh, I can't remember right now. Mercury Cafe. Oh yeah. And it's a, I've never been to a show there, and the upstairs that space is incredible. It's great, and uh, so I'm gonna love on Mercury Cafe. Cool. All right. Well, that's all the love and hate we have this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at seven two zero two eight two Y E L L. That's seven two zero two eight two nine three five five. Our theme music is by T J Miller from his extended play EP and our web hosting is provided by bluechannel.com for more information about Denver Diatribe or any of our guests check out our website affordable housing good money lenders low obesity no need for suspenders check your calendar